Blog Talk Radio.
Greetings, this is Abayomi Azikwe, and welcome back to another edition of the Pan-African Journal. The Pan-African Journal is an audio news magazine. It's brought to you here on a weekly basis. Uh, I am your host, uh, Abayomi Azikwe. Today is Sunday, uh, January the 8th, 2023. Uh, We're broadcasting live from our studios in downtown Detroit. I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Once again, uh, to another edition of our program. Later on, we'll be bringing you our regular Pan-African Newswire report. In this week's uh, Pan-African Newswire, we'll be featuring the following dispatches. Uh, The African National Congress is celebrating its 111th anniversary. Uh, They're having commemorations uh, in the Free State in the Republic of South Africa. Zimbabwe has emerged as the agricultural powerhouse of the continent, setting records uh, for grain production inside the southern African state. We'll have details on that as well. Egypt's Coptic Church has celebrated the Orthodox Christmas uh, in the North African state. The government of Ivory Coast welcomed the release of 49 soldiers previously held in neighboring Mali. And there's been an attempted coup in the South American state of Brazil in order to overthrow uh, the president, uh, Lula da Silva, who just took office uh, only a week ago. Uh, The coup appears not to have been successful so far. Uh, We'll have a report on the situation in Brazil as well. In the second hour, uh, we look back on the 60th anniversary of the Birmingham movement uh, within the civil rights movement. Uh, This took place during uh, 1963. We're going to look at its impact on the mass character of the African-American struggle. Finally, we listened to the speech of Republic of South Africa President Cyril Ramaphosa uh, at the 111th ANC anniversary rally. These and other features will be brought to you during the course of our program. So stay tuned. Uh, We'll take a musical interlude and we'll be back with more of our program for this week.
Welcome back, and uh, you're listening to the Pan-African Journal. This special uh, worldwide radio broadcast uh, for Sunday, January 8th, uh, 2023. We're broadcasting live from our studios in downtown Detroit, and uh, that was a selection of uh, music uh, from uh, various uh, genres throughout uh, West Africa. And right now we want to move into our Pan-African Newswire segment of our program. These are some of the headlines in today's uh, Pan-African Newswire. Uh, In the Republic of South Africa, the party Renewal, uh, which uh, is related to the African National Congress of South Africa, along with economic recovery, as well as basic service delivery, are at the top of the ANC's list of priorities for this year. That's according to African National Congress President Cyril Ramaphosa, who is also president of the Republic of South Africa. He said this in an address earlier today. Ramaphosa delivered the party's annual January 8th statement at a packed Dr. Petrus Molamela Stadium in Bloemfontein, where he outlined key programs for the year. While he admitted the party had failed to deliver on some key transformation policies, the president vowed to strengthen the implementation of the party's agenda. Ramaphosa said the party was not oblivious uh, to the socioeconomic crises faced by South Africans, including joblessness, the rising cost of living, growing criminality, and unstable energy supplies. We will accelerate the work that is underway to end load shedding. Uh, We will mobilize social partners to increase employment and investment. Other priorities included doubling down on the party's renewal agenda and strengthening the fight against corruption in South Africa. Meanwhile, residents of Mangwang said they still love the ANC despite clear service delivery failures. Amid the anniversary festivities, a dilapidated uh, public sports ground and basketball court lay abandoned at the Blomanda area of the metro. Resident Debojo Salete said this was a typical example of the lack of service delivery under the ANC-run Mangwang Metropolitan Municipality. Things tend to take time to happen, but even though they promise us a lot of things, uh, they take so much time for them to maybe implement it. Ramaphosa highlighted the municipality, which is under administration as one of the lowest performing municipalities in South Africa. And um, in regard to developments in the free state, business was booming in the Maguan uh, metropolitan area at the weekend as the African National Congress celebrated its 111th anniversary in the Free State. Now, the Free State Gambling, Liquor, and Tourism Authority CEO, Kenny Dashabi, uh, said that hotels and other accommodations in Maguan uh, were fully booked uh, for the ANC's January 8th celebrations, a major boost uh, for the local economy. Chisanyama Bars and taverns were overflowing with customers in Maluti Street, a stone's throw away from the Dr. Pedros Molamela Stadium, where the ANC is hosting its celebrations. Shizanyama business owner, Paseka Bering, said he had to call in extra help to deal with the rush. I'm very busy. The people are busy coming. Uh, We are just glad that something is coming up 
for our location, said Bering. Luxury German cars and SUVs line the busy street up 2nd Avenue in Weston, Bloemfontein. The Strip has a large number of nightclubs, bars, and entertainment lounges. With the ANC in town, all these establishments were flowing with meat and alcohol during the night hours. The Shabe said he hopes the increased media attention will attract future visitors. And uh, in neighboring Zimbabwe, the country has registered its largest wheat harvest in 2022, some 375,000 tons, making the Austro-African country a self-sufficient agricultural powerhouse. With 375,000 tons of wheat harvest registered for 2022, Zimbabwe is set to become a self-sufficient agricultural powerhouse, a unique performance on the African continent. The harvest in 2022 was 13% higher than the previous year, breaking a half-century-old record. The area sown uh, to wheat that has increased by 10%, and above all, the state has set up a policy of distributing fertilizer and buying crops via a public body, the Grain Marketing Board, which has won over farmers. The country no longer needs to import wheat to meet its needs, saving up to $300 million in import costs. In the current context where African countries are suffering from the absence or high cost of Russian and Ukrainian wheat, Zimbabwe stands out for its proactive policy. And you're listening to the Pan-African Newswire segment of the Pan-African Journal. In Egypt, the Coptic Christians uh, gathered uh, just on Friday night to attend Mass on Christmas Eve at St. Stephen's Coptic Orthodox Church, praying for peace and prosperity for the coming year amid grave uncertainty about the nation's economy. We wish to achieve economic stability in the country and that we can reap the fruits of all the efforts that we have been through by the end of the year. It is a tough beginning of the year, but hopefully it is going to be a fruitful year for us and for the country shared uh, Maged Morad, a uh, Coptic Orthodox worshiper. Inflation in the countries reached an annual rate of above 18% in November. The Egyptian pound has shriveled in value against the U.S. dollar, hitting a new low earlier uh, this week as the country faces a shortage of foreign currency spurred by the Russian-led uh, uh, military intervention in Ukraine. The thing we wish for the most is world peace. Last year started really well, but due to the many challenges of this period, we are hoping for peace. And everywhere there is a war or famine, it affects the whole world. So we wish for better peace this year, and we hope for our country to take faster steps forward, wishes Mina Magdi, a fellow Coptic Christian. And finally, uh, in the West African state of Cote d'Ivoire, 46 soldiers, pardoned by Mali's junta leaders, returned home last evening. At their plane, uh, as their plane landed at 11.40 p.m. GMT, the uniformed soldiers disembarked one by one, each brandishing a small Ivorian flag. They were greeted by President Alassane Ouattara uh, before entering the presidential pavilion at the airport where their families were waiting for them. I would like to express on behalf of the entire group, our deepest gratitude for all that has been undertaken for our return home. Express Lieutenant Adam Fuasi, one of the soldiers previously detained by the Malian authorities. He went on to say that I am delighted uh, to see you back on Ivorian soil. That's according to the president. 
We are happy for you, happy for us, happy for your families, happy for the nation. That's according to Alassane Wattar with the pardon and the return of the troops. Tensions between the neighboring countries are calming down as President Wattar wishes to move on from the diplomatic spat. And uh, with that, uh, we're going to conclude uh, the Pan-African Newswire segment of the Pan-African Journal. In concluding this segment of our program, we want to remind our listeners that the Pan-African Newswire is an international electronic press service. It is designed to foster intelligent discussions on the affairs of African people throughout the continent and the world. The press agency was formed in January of 1998, some 25 years ago, and since then has published tens of thousands of articles and dispatches in various newspapers, magazines, journals, research reports, and on blogs and websites throughout the world. The Pan-African Newswire represents the only daily international news source on Pan-African and global affairs. If you'd like to log on to the Pan-African Newswire so you can stay abreast of some of the most pressing and burning issues of the day, just go to our website at panafricannews.blogspot.com. That's panafricannews.blogspot.com. If you'd like to have access to today's Pan-African Journal, this special worldwide radio broadcast uh, for Sunday, January 8th, 2023. Just go to our website at the Pan-African Radio Network. That's at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more of our program for this week. Maybe 
Welcome back, and you're listening to the Pan-African Journal, special worldwide radio broadcast. That was the voice of Alice Clark uh, with the track entitled Keep It Hid. And uh, right now we want to discuss what is happening in the South American state of Brazil, uh, one of the most populous uh, states uh, internationally. Uh, President uh, Lula da Silva uh, won re-election just uh, last month, and as a result, there has been much uh, consternation on the part of the uh, right wing of uh, Jao Bolsonaro, uh, who was ousted uh, in an electoral runoff. Uh, Supporters of Bolsonaro uh, have stormed uh, the capital of Brasilia, and of course, Bolsonaro, it is reported, uh, has... um, is not in the country in uh, Florida, in the United States. So let's listen to this update on developments uh, in Brazil. We are seeing these images of chaos across Brasilia. What's happening? Well, it appears that security forces have been able to get the protesters out of Congress and and the presidential palace, and and they're moving them away from, you know, the, the main avenue where the the government offices and ministries are. Uh, it took them a long time. It took them several hours, and there was a lot of ransacking. Um, the television images show, you know, destruction to doors and furniture, and and uh, and you know, thousands of people were mulling around these facilities for for several hours this afternoon. This follows months of protests and chaos when it comes to these military installations that we've seen, right? When it comes to Lula, I know that there's been a legal intervention uh, as well as he's pledged investigating into whether some police were involved. How challenging is it going to be for him to be able to resolve this, if not quash it? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think that at the end of the day, uh, Bolsonaro's political movement will be more damaged by this than, than Lula's himself. I mean, this, this doesn't make them look good. Uh, unlike in the United States, this happens, you know, a week after Lula already took office, so his, his government is already in motion. And uh, there doesn't appear to be a whole lot of violence. I think, you know, this will give Lula an opportunity to try and, you know, call for unity. He will also, when he spoke to the nation, he did say that he's going to be persecuting, he's going to be going out and prosecuting the people that were responsible for this and also look into the financial backers. There are about 100 buses full of supporters that came into Brasilia, you know, in the, in the days leading up to this protest. And so there is going to be um, investigations and political backlash, but I think that, you know, it's clearly Bolsonaro's movement that's, that's um, looking bad coming out of this. Peter, what does this mean for the markets, which have already seen sharp losses across Brazil after Lula's election? Yeah, this has been a very volatile, volatile time for Brazilian markets because, I mean, first of all, you have it was a close election, so Lula doesn't have a very strong mandate. There are a lot of concerns about um, you know fiscal stability if they're going to abide by budget limits or if they're going to be you know spending too much if they're going to start doing things like subsidizing gasoline. If, I mean, and we'll see how this plays out. Obviously, the markets aren't going to like this. This, you know, shows that increasing signs of, uh, of civil unrest and, and there's a section of society that, that really rejects Lula's mandate. And, you know, so, you know, that's going to unsettle markets for sure. And in the longer term, they're going to 
want to see is if this is going to mean more populist spending on the part of Lula to try and um, you know buy the social piece. Welcome back. And uh, that was a report on developments in the South American state of Brazil, uh, where there was an attempted uh, coup uh, today by right-wing elements uh, who claimed they were being supported uh, by the former President Bolsonaro. Uh, We'll continue to cover uh, the story of developments in Brazil over the Pan-African Newswire. Right now, we want to move into our commemoration of the 60th anniversary of the mass uh, civil rights struggles of 1963. Right now, we're going to look at uh, developments as they unfolded in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, at that time, one of the most segregated uh, municipalities in the United States. Uh, struggle unfolded in the spring of 1963. Uh, it had been developing uh, for decades, uh, Birmingham, of course, being a industrial city at the time, uh, steel manufacturers that uh, populated the city. At the same time, the African-American people wanted uh, self-determination. They wanted equality. And uh, that, of course, uh, came uh, in a collision course uh, in 1963. Let's listen to this report uh, of uh, what was happening in Birmingham in 1963. I'm very happy to be able to announce that we have come today to the climax of the long struggle for justice, freedom, and human dignity in the city of Birmingham. I say the climax and not the end, for though we have come a long way, that is still a strenuous path before us, and some of it is yet uncharted. Nevertheless, it can now be said that after the great struggle, This day is clearly the moment of a great victory. On the face of it, at least, the agreement between Negroes and leading white citizens of Birmingham, which the Reverend Martin Luther King announced this afternoon, did appear to be a victory for the month-long campaign of demonstrations he has been leading. It calls for the progressive desegregation of public facilities from lunch counters to restrooms, for better job opportunities for Negroes, for the establishment of new channels of communication between the races, and for the release of those of the 2,400 demonstrators imprisoned, many of them children who were still in jail. But the lame duck city administration has denounced the agreement. Still, both the Negro and the white negotiators insist tonight that they think it will be implemented and new demonstrations have been called off until the city acts. Tonight, Attorney General Robert Kennedy said that there would be more racial crises like the one in Birmingham, but the lessons learned there can be used to solve future problems between whites and Negroes. The lesson, Kennedy said, is that the agreement was reached because the people were prepared to sit down and work things out. But the wounds have not healed, and the memories of what may have been this country's most significant collision of the races are both fresh and bitter. The climactic events of the past week in Birmingham are the subject of tonight's eyewitness report. Your correspondent, Charles Collingwood. Big news of the week. Tonight, witness breakthrough in Birmingham. 
filter cigarette for people who really like to smoke. L&M in pack or box. time like this, when a cigarette means a lot, you get lots more from L&M. It's the rich flavor leaf that does it. L&M has actually more of this longer-aged and extra-cured tobacco leaf than even some unfiltered cigarettes. You get more body. More body in the blend. More flavor. More flavor in the smoke. More taste. More taste through the filter. Get lots more L&M's filter is the modern filter. All white inside and outside, so only pure white touches your lips. L&M's a filter cigarette for people who really like to smoke. So get more body, more flavor, more taste. Get lots more from L&M. Lots more. This is Birmingham, the South's mightiest industrial city, as the world knew it this week. These are the front lines of the battle between Dr. Martin Luther King's Negro Disciples of Nonviolence and the uniformed forces of Birmingham, led by Commissioner Eugene Bull Connor, who says, We were trying to be nice to them, but they won't let us be. The Negro leaders say this will lay the whole issue before the conscience of the community and the nation. <laughs> The scene is last Saturday. The sights and sounds filmed and recorded as they happened. The place is near the 16th Street Baptist Church, the starting point for Negro demonstrations. communities, Negro and white in Birmingham, had been building up to scenes to clashes like this. Tempers had worn thin on both sides. The situation was perilously close to an explosion. Sometimes the Negroes were not able to contain their anger, to remain non-violent, and they fought back. They threw rocks and broken bottles. There were reports that some of them had knives and guns, but Negro leaders said those people were not their followers. They were, they said, onlookers drawn in by what they saw. 
There were injuries on this day, and the violence prompted an appeal from one of the Negro leaders. The Reverend James Beevil borrowed a police bullhorn and told the crowds to disperse if they weren't going to demonstrate in a non-violent way. Arrests were made in mass lots, everyone charged with the same offense, parading without a permit. The Negroes had asked for permits and had been denied them. City police were carrying out their pledge to fill their jails to capacity if necessary. They are acting according to the wishes of Bull Connor, the police commissioner, who has set the segregationist tone of the city for many years. In the face of Negro resistance, Commissioner Connor has said repeatedly that he'll never back down. It was against this background that Dr. King was asked what he meant when he said that achievement of a breakthrough in Birmingham could crack the whole sock. Well, Birmingham is a symbol of hardcore resistance to integration. It is probably the most thoroughly segregated uh, city in the United States, and it has had uh, more unsolved bombings of Negro homes and churches than any city in the United States. And the injustices inflicted upon Negroes uh, are no uh, notorious realities. Consequently, I have the feeling that if we can get a breakthrough in Birmingham and really break down the walls of segregation, it will demonstrate to the whole South, at least the hardcore South, that it can no longer resist integration. And I think everybody will find themselves going along with it if we can get a breakthrough in Birmingham. There are 700 churches in Birmingham, and the Negro ones are the rallying places for the forces of active nonviolence. It was here that last Sunday they fortified themselves for a week of uncertain peril, singing their anthem of defiance, We Shall Overcome. went into the streets again. Their feelings expressed by one mother who said, the young people aren't going to take what we've taken. Said another, if I'm going to spend my money in the stores, I think I should have the right to sit down and eat a sandwich in them. The marchers stopped at a small park near the city jail. They were allowed to stay. 
permitted to demonstrate publicly in Birmingham without harassment for the first time ever. This is nonviolence in its most familiar guise, a law that was to be broken later in the week. The Negroes proclaimed they would carry their fight through to victory no matter what. The white police were taunted, turn on your water, turn loose your dogs, we will stand here till we die. And this day, the hoses and the dogs were not utilized. But it meant no particular change in the segregationists' attitudes. A West German camera crew was among those covering the Battle of Birmingham. This is what their reporter heard. What do you think as citizens of, young citizens of Birmingham about these demonstrations and these events? Well, I think it's going to last for a while, but I think we're going to win our side. I don't know for sure. But, uh, are you in favor of the demonstrations on? No, I'm not. I wish they'd kill them all. What do you have as a citizen of Birmingham, what do you have to say to these demonstrations? Do you think they are right? They are wrong? I think they're very wrong. Uh, the sad part about it, the niggers that live here are not uh, involved at all. This is outsiders coming in there. They couldn't, uh, the only ones they could get with the school students to uh, demonstrate here. I think it's real sad. I think they're hurting themselves. Nevertheless, the large majority of the thousands of Negro demonstrators were clearly local citizens. But the man from out of town that Birmingham segregationists most resent is Dr. King. Dr. King has been criticized for moving now in Birmingham, but King's supporters say he had to act or others more violent would. He himself likes to quote Gandhi, There go my people. I must catch them, for I am their leader. Dr. King's fears were also expressed in this recent statement. And I'm convinced that if the Negro cannot find this kind of creative, nonviolent channel to channelize his legitimate discontent, he will turn to other ideologists like the black nationalists. So that I think uh, the approach that we advocate is a healthy alternative to what I consider a dangerous development. Paraders marched out into the hands of the police. Among those arrested, comedian Dick Gregory, one of the demonstrators, not a local resident. To Dr. King, this means that the nonviolent movement has come of age. He says, this is the first time in the history of our struggle that we've been able, literally, to fill the jails. In a very real sense, this is the fulfillment of a dream. He means that white people can't ignore prisoners like these girls who tell why they are in jail. I marched Friday, I mean Thursday. I was on my way to the city hall and I was arrested by police for marching without a permit. And I was arrested and I will stay in here. And I like it in here and I enjoy it in here. And I shall return until our race can get our freedom. Because I don't mind coming to jail and I don't mind suffering at all. And I will the inscription on City Hall says, Cities are what men make them, and Birmingham is now changing men. The present administration, although it lost its recent election, is trying to stay in power until October. A state court is expected to rule next week on whether mayor-elect Albert Boutwell can take office immediately. Boutwell was asked if he's ready to meet with Negro leaders. I'm ready at any time when the immediate threat of violence has been removed. 
to talk to any responsible local people, regardless of the color of their skins. No man is an island. No man has a problem that belongs to him alone. But the problems must have solutions that fit the individual and local needs and must be met at the local level. The mayor still in office, Arthur Haynes, has one point in common with Boutwell. Neither has negotiated directly with Negro leaders. Haynes was asked about complaints of poor conditions in jails because of overcrowding. Well, I don't think that the jail will become too overcrowded. If it is, we will, uh, we will provide temporary quarters and uh, all uh, law violators will be arrested. Uh, this has been our policy down here for a hundred years and uh, we intend to continue it. On Tuesday, the Negroes gave vivid evidence that they would no longer accept the patterns of the last hundred years. This was a day that the nonviolent movement was not particularly passive about its resistance. The crowd surged into the downtown business district. They gave meaning to Dr. King's statement that the Negro is shedding himself of fear. And my real worry is how we will keep this fearlessness from rising to violent proportions. The sudden outburst prompted a call for hundreds of state troopers to reinforce local police. And outside the South, voices were raised to ask why the federal government wasn't doing anything about all this. But it was acting behind the scenes. And by the time President Kennedy held his news conference on Wednesday, quiet Justice Department efforts had succeeded in making sufficient progress for the President to make this announcement. Today, as the result of responsible efforts on the part of both white and Negro leaders, over the last 72 hours, the business community of Birmingham has responded in a constructive and commendable fashion and pledged that substantial steps would begin to meet the justifiable needs of the Negro community. Negro leaders have announced suspension of their demonstrations. And when the newly elected mayor, who has indicated his desire to resolve these problems, takes office, the city of Birmingham has committed itself wholeheartedly to continuing progress in this area. The prospective removal of some racial barriers in Birmingham was announced by Negro leaders at a news conference this afternoon. The sentiments of the Negro community were expressed by the Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth, who earlier in the week was injured by water from firemen's hoses. The city of Birmingham has reached an accord with its conscience. The acceptance of responsibility by local and Negro leadership, local white and Negro leadership offers an example of a free people uniting to meet and solve their problems. Birmingham may well offer the, for 20th century America an example of progressive racial relations and for all mankind the dawn of a new day. A promise for all men, a day of opportunity, and a new sense of freedom for all Americans. Dr. King says he thinks city authorities probably will go along with the agreement, even though it was drawn up by white business leaders and not by city officials. 
One of the businessmen says his committee represents employers of 80% of the city's workforce. And he said the accord was essential to avoid a dangerous and imminent explosion. And another white Southern spokesman, James Kilpatrick, editor of the Richmond News Leader, said he felt the Negro could have accomplished more in other ways. My fear there in Birmingham would be that while they'll gain something out of this, they may gain the desegregation of this store or this lunch counter or something else. But in the end, I think they're going to wind up by being at once closer together and farther apart, if I make myself at all clear. I think it's a Pyrrhic victory and a few more such victories, and they will have lost the whole ultimate goal that they're after. But I don't think it's going to be attained this way. This opinion of Mr. Kilpatrick's is indicative of the kind of discussion that Negro tactics in Birmingham have generated. There is speculation about a new Negro, a swing to increased militancy. An examination of this aspect of the segregation story in a moment after this message. Grand Central Station, Crossroads of America. Men and women who might be your neighbors stop to admire the 63 Rambler, best-selling Rambler in history. Here are their faces and what they said, recorded on the spot. I see an awful lot of Ramblers on the road. Quite a few people switching to Ramblers. And they are all very pleased. It's a new shape. Brand new. It's an excellent buy. Matter of fact, we'll be buying a 63, I know. Buy was sold by friends. I believe is selling so many cars because of the uh, reputation of the automobile. The car of the year deserves the award of that Motor Trend 1963 award. A lot more to offer, better, better price. We have uh, a lot of ramblers on our street. Well, they must be good because I see them all around. We're a rambler family. This is the third one I've had. It just won me over completely. Where? I'm very much impressed. Rambler owners are your best salesmen. Rambler 63, winner of Motor Trend Magazine's Car of the Year Award. Drive it at your Rambler dealers. These people came to the Shiloh Baptist Church in Washington this week to hear Representative Adam Clayton Powell. He's been a controversial spokesman for his race for many years, and his critics have labeled him a demagogue and a racist. But his audience liked what they heard. New Negro today. And we got a new message. And there isn't anybody born going to be able to silence us. They can use every trick of the courts. They can use every trick of mob violence, but we're still going to keep marching. Keep on marching. Keep on marching. At the welkin ring, sound the toxin, let the drums roll, peel the bells, let the trumpets blare. There's a new Negro now, and he's moving, and he says to you, come on and join me, but if you won't, get out of my way, because I'm coming through. Writer James Baldwin was questioned about Negro attitudes by correspondent Robert Shackney in Los Angeles. Luther King, by his own definition, is dedicated to nonviolence as a tactic and, if you believe him, as a principle. But do you think nonviolence will be the pattern or are we likely to have violence? How many people do you know who are really nonviolent? How many children do you know who are nonviolent? Martin happens to be a Christian. But the world is not full of Martin Luther Kings. The history of the civilization that you want me to imitate is a history of violence, of bloodshed. What happens 
whether it becomes violent or non-violent, I repeat, depends on you. Mr. Baldwin, let me ask you this. I take it then you're convinced in your mind that what is termed generally the new militant Negro, that kind of leadership will dominate rather than the, if you will, uh, Booker T. Washington kind of leadership. Let's take it out of that. Let's take it out of that extraordinary vacuum that we've had it for all these years. It is not a matter of militant Negro leadership. It is a matter of changing the attitudes of this country. Martin Luther King is a great and heroic man, but he cannot do for you what only you can do. It is your country too. And what is happening to Martin, for example, what is happening to all those children in Birmingham is being done in your name. You have no right, no right not to know that. And you have no right to pretend that Birmingham is in another country. It is not. It is right here in Los Angeles. It is in New York. It is in Detroit. This is, this is the national problem. There's never been a regional problem. At Howard University in Washington this week, the dynamics of desegregation were discussed by a Harvard sociologist who is completing a study of the problem. Professor Thomas Pettigrew, who was born in the South, was interviewed by correspondent George Herman. Dr. Pettigrew, is there such a thing as the new Negro in America? In other words, has the Negro community started to undergo some kind of fundamental change of attitude, perhaps towards some advanced degree of racial pride and militancy? Well, I think there is an advanced degree of pride and militancy, but the term new Negro bothers me and, and for many reasons. Uh, primarily it bothers me because it implies that Negroes were never militant before now. Uh, the uh, historical fact is that each generation since the Civil War of Negro Americans have been called, in turn, the new Negro. Each, in fact, has been new, I think, uh, more militant than the previous generation. I think this is true in this particular group. But uh, the methods have changed, and also, surely, the society in which they're protesting has changed. Now, I think, for the first generation since the Civil War, there is a real, hopefully, uh, chance that they will succeed completely in gaining equality. Uh, many people seem to uh, want to know, are they suddenly, have they suddenly become angry? I think this is an interesting comment on white Americans, not so much on Negro Americans, that Negro Americans have had to, by the nature of the oppression in our country, uh, hate to some extent the whites who oppress them. Only now, I think the major difference is that this hate is more external. We can see it as whites ourselves. We didn't want to think it was there before. The, uh, they are angrier in this sense. Dr. Pettigrew, with the objectivity of the social scientist, suggests that perhaps in some respect it is healthy for the Negro now that his anger is more external. And he says for whites it is certainly educational. A summing up in a moment after this message. You can look five pounds thinner in a Playtex girdle. Playtex guarantees it, and you can prove it. Place your fingertips so. Press in lightly so. That's how a Playtex works, too. Fingertip panels, they hold you in like firm young muscles. Without losing a pound, you look five pounds thinner. Or return girdle and sail slip to Playtex for full refund. New longer leg panty style, too. Playtex, now $6.95 up. Also from Playtex, I got something marvelous to show you. It's my new Playtex living bra. It's made out of that new elastic they call sheer stretch ever. No rubber. It's light, cool, and comfortable. I just throw it in the machine, 
hair detergent, even bleach. And look, this a living bra I've washed 50 times. And look at that stretch, quite new, because there's no rubber in the elastic. It really does something for you. You've just got to try the Playtex living bras. The events in Birmingham have sent a chill through most Americans. It's as though most people, black and white, recognize what has happened as the beginning of a new chapter in the relations between Negro Americans and white Americans. The truce in Birmingham, if indeed there is to be a durable truce in Birmingham, implies no truce in this new phase of racial conflict. What is new in this is not, as those who have spoken on this program have made clear, is not the Negro. He's felt this way for a long time. What is new is the way in which he is expressing it. The Negro is no longer following moderate white leadership in his fight for equality. He's taken matters into his own hands. And even the more moderate Negro leaders, like Martin Luther King, are being forced into more militant action, which trembles as it did in Birmingham on the verge of something like racial war. That's the direction in which the fanatics, like the black Muslims, want it to go. What happens next will depend upon whether the bargain struck today in Birmingham can be made to work. But whichever way things go, Birmingham will have been a turning point. This is Charles Collingwood. Good night. Eyewitness. Breakthrough in Birmingham. Has been brought to you by the new Playtex Living Bra. Light, cool, comfortable, yet machine washable with detergent, even bleach. The Playtex Living Bra. and every Friday at the same time for the drama of big events. Keep an eye on Eyewitness. This broadcast pre-recorded is produced by CBS News, which has sole responsibility for the news judgments, the content, and editing. This is Harry Kramer speaking. this nation, wherever there is a substantial Negro population, the Negro drive for equality gathered momentum this week. It was nourished not only by fresh demonstrations and gestures of defiance, but by a formidable series of court decisions which strengthened the legal defenses against segregation. The Supreme Court sanctioned sit-in demonstrations. A federal court ordered two Negroes admitted to the University of Alabama. Another directed the return to school of a thousand Birmingham Negro children suspended for taking part in demonstrations. Still another court removed the strongly segregationist city government of Birmingham and installed a supposedly more moderate regime. Although the Negro is voicing his demands in the North as well as the South, the dynamics of the movement are in the South. 
particularly this week in Alabama and North Carolina. What happened in those two states, with their sharply different attitudes on racial matters, is the subject of tonight's eyewitness report. Your correspondent, Charles Collingwood. Eyewitness, the big news of the week. Tonight, witness, week of decision. Brought to you by famous Everetti Radio Batteries, the batteries with power to spare. And by Prestone Silicone Car Polish, the polish that makes cars shine like the sun. New York's Union Carbide Building and a demonstration of power to spare. These four ever-ready alkaline batteries played this radio steadily for 46 hours. Now, these same batteries will fire 1,000 flash bulbs. We connect the batteries. Turn the switch and look. There they go. These same ever-ready alkaline batteries can still play. Play much longer than ordinary batteries. Get ever-ready batteries with power to spare. Shines like the sun. But what's remarkable is, the light in this mirror does not come directly from the sun. It comes from the sun's reflection on the surface of this car, polished with revolutionary new Prestone silicone polish. The long-lasting polish that shines and protects with a diamond-bright silicone shell can even be applied in the sun. Polishes so gently, so easily. Get Prestone silicone polish, one of many fine Prestone products for your car. This is downtown Greensboro in North Carolina, the place where the Negro lunch counter sit-in movement was born three years ago. Lunch counters are desegregated now. So are parks and recreational facilities. There is token integration of schools, but now these demonstrators say they want more. Leader of their struggle to have all racial barriers eliminated is James Farmer, National Director of the Congress of Racial Equality. One ticket. Sorry, I did not choose to say your ticket. You do not choose to sell me a ticket? Is this because of my race? Uh, no comment. No comment. Thank you very much, sir. In general, the Negro demonstrators and the white townspeople treated one another courteously. But there were specific jibes at the presence of Mr. Farmer. The farmer in the dale, I owe the burial, the farmer in the dale. The natives of Redwood, Farmer takes the wife. The black wife. All niggers. Lord is on outside. Lord is on outside. Lord is on outside. No, sir, you cannot be admitted. Why? I am not going to serve you. Because of my race? I'm not going to serve you. Because of my race? Move on. I'm not going to serve you. Why? Why don't I qualify? I'm human. I'm 
I'm not going to serve you. I don't dislike you, boy. I don't dislike you. But I want to serve you. I'm not going to serve demonstrators. Today, tomorrow, or any day. And if I came back by myself, would you serve me? No. You're a demonstrator. I would be demonstrating. You're a demonstrator. city administration refrained from making arrests, but then it said it was forced to take demonstrators into custody because they blocked exits at restaurants and movie houses, a violation of fire laws. More than 1,500 Negroes were jailed over a period of several days, most of them students from the North Carolina Agricultural and Technical Institute and from Bennett College. Mr. Farmer said the entire Negro population, 40,000, stood ready to go to jail. By today, most of the demonstrators had been released at the request of the governor, and the demonstrations have become less militant as students have been restricted to their campuses. No overt concessions have been made yet, but a biracial committee has been appointed by the mayor to determine what further steps can be taken toward desegregation. Negro leaders say they hope they can force North Carolinians, proud of their progress in dealing with the integration problem, to live up to their pretensions. Mr. Farmer was asked about the specifics of the Negro situation by reporter Nelson Benton. What kind of breakthrough would you characterize as a gratifying one? Well, the demands of the leaders of the movement in Greensboro, the local core chapter and the ministers and the NAACP and others, are for a completely open city, that is, uh, across the board, end to segregation. Segregation in places of public accommodation, segregation in the schools, discrimination in jobs, segregation and discrimination in hospital facilities, etc. In other words, Negroes should have the same rights in this city and in this state as any other citizens, regardless of their color. Tonight, a thousand students went to the heart of Greensboro and they tied up the business district for an hour and a half. Could you possibly consider this in any way provocative? No, Mr. Benton. All the Negroes in this country uh, face Jim Crow 24 hours a day. And uh, I think that's extremely provocative to them. And I uh, don't think that an hour and a half demonstration on one day can possibly be nearly so provocative as the 24 hours of discrimination against Negroes. North Carolina's Governor Terry Sanford says he's trying to do something about the Negroes' needs and problems. And he was asked by reporter Benton about the current demonstrations. Do you think that this, as they call it, direct action approach, do you think this is a good thing to achieve their aims in North Carolina? I think the d direct approach is uh, all right. Uh, it's carrying the direct approach, like any other approach, to an improper extreme. I think that probably sets up a counteraction that does uh, more harm than good. So I think the direct approach is good, provided the direct approach is not abused. 
Do you think then, sir, that it is being perhaps abused? I think any time when you invite arrest that you are abusing it and, and that you are destroying uh, some of the goodwill that's been established under sometimes very difficult circumstances over a period of years. Negro leaders in these demonstrations talk about not fast enough and they use the phrase across the board desegregation. Is this a nearby prospect in North Carolina? I don't know what across the board means. Uh, I think all progress, if it's to be lasting, has to be progress based on uh, mutual consent, mutual understanding, and expression goodwill. So I think you'll make much more progress in the long run if you approach it from the point of view of mutual understanding and goodwill. And uh, that's what we are attempting to do. I make no estimate of how long it'll take to give people better economic opportunities, a chance to have better living conditions for their children, uh, the many other things that American citizens seek. I don't know how long it'll take, but uh, I say we are moving in the right direction. To these Negroes in the city of Durham, North Carolina is not moving fast enough. Like members of their race in Greensboro and Charlotte, Raleigh, and High Point, too, they say they want to be granted the right to eat in desegregated restaurants, not just at lunch counters. And also, like so many other militant young Negroes throughout the South, these young people were quite willing to go to jail to make their point. So far, these demonstrators have met with greater success than those elsewhere in the state. Several city restaurants have been desegregated this week. Demonstrations have been suspended in favor of meetings like this one last night. A gathering of 1,200 Negroes and a few whites, including the new mayor, Wentz Graberek, who personally arranged the restaurant desegregation. Negro leaders say they're hopeful that there will be more concessions. And the cooperative attitude of the city administration was made note of by Roy Wilkins, executive secretary of the NAACP. You know, at this particular time, when there's an argument, as some of the men say, an argument going on between you and the city of Durham, it's an achievement of some kind, and it marks, I believe, without knowing him, I've never met him before tonight, he was nothing except a name in a newspaper to me, but it marks, it seems to me, the man with whom you are dealing as head of the city when he comes out to a meeting to listen to you state your case and plead your cause in your kind of language before your kind of folks with no holes barred and no pull punches, that kind of a man has to be honest. I personally believe that Durham, the people of Durham, are making progress with Durham's problems. Yesterday, at 10 o'clock in the morning, I assembled some of the business and civic leaders of Durham to look at this problem head on. After two hours of discussion, it was decided that your mayor should appoint a committee to meet with any groups that have grievances concerning civil rights in our city. A citizen, all citizens, all colored, all white citizens, have a responsibility 
to their government. And so at this time, as these negotiations get underway, I sincerely pray that you will give to me and the government of this city your cooperation and your full understanding at all times. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. If one were to establish a scale of racial toleration among the states of the old Confederacy, North Carolina would stand toward the top. But this did not save it this week from the same pressures felt in less tolerant areas of the South. It did, however, permit a sort of truce in North Carolina and the prospect of progress toward more harmonious conditions. The story of what is happening in Alabama in a moment after this message. some of the 1,100 children of Birmingham who demonstrated in the streets and went to jail and then were either suspended or expelled from school. The flags were sent to them by students of two New York high schools. The flags were sent to be carried in the demonstrations two weeks ago. Here they're being distributed as a sign of recognition and remembrance of trials past. The children's reaction was expressed by one who talked to correspondent Dan Rather. Why did you want to take part in the demonstrations? Because they always said white folks having this and that, and the color folks don't have nothing. So if all the color folks get together and take part in and fight for freedom, maybe they'll get something. But if they don't, they won't get nowhere. Would you be willing to go in a demonstration tomorrow again? Yes, sir. Children did overcome one problem, and yesterday they trekked back to school. 
The decision that opened the school doors to them was rendered in Atlanta by Chief Judge Albert Tuttle of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. The return of the students ended the immediate prospect of further demonstrations, and it nullified a city plan to readmit these children for a summer session at a cost to them of 20 or 30 dollars a pupil. Yesterday, the Alabama State Supreme Court handed down a decision that's likely to soften city militancy against integration. It ruled that Albert Boutwell take office as mayor at once. Boutwell is a segregationist, but he's described in Birmingham as not of the police dog and fire hose variety. The new mayor had this personal reaction to the court's decision. This has been and will forever remain in my memory a great, and wonderful day, and I am eternally grateful to the people of this city who made it possible. Uh, Mr. Mayor, your administration assist and take a sympathetic attitude toward the implementation of the desegregation agreement made by white and Negro leaders? Our attitude will be sympathetic to the harmonious solution to all of the problems with which the people of Birmingham confronted, are confronted, and the portion to which you referred is an important part of our city and of, of our problems. Boutwell's victory came at the expense of the old city administration dominated by Eugene Bull Connor, which contended it should stay in office until 1965. Connor, wearing a memento of the street skirmishes, had this to say about his departure. Wendell, all I can say is that I have enjoyed my 22 and a half years as public safety commissioner in the city of Birmingham. I don't believe I owe the taxpayers of Birmingham anything. They're going to owe me almost two and a half years back pay. Whether I ever get it or not, I'm going to make application for my pennies, Wendell, and I'm going to get the food line, get me some stamps. I'm going on relief. Bull Connor's departure finds Birmingham struggling with economic problems. Department store sales are off 4% for the year compared to general increases elsewhere in the South. And it also finds the city patrolled by state policemen sent in by the governor to supplement the local force until yesterday, led by Bull Connor. The Negroes say these men are symbols of repression, that they should be removed because city police are adequate to maintain order. In the third court decision affecting Alabama this week, the focus of the state's racial difficulties was shifted away from Birmingham to two campuses of the state university at Huntsville and Tuscaloosa. A federal court ruled that the University of Alabama will have to accept two Negroes, one at each campus. Once before, the serenity of this Tuscaloosa campus was disturbed by racial strife. That was in 1956, when Authorine Lucy attended classes for three days and was then expelled. No Negroes have been admitted since. Alabama is the only state with a completely segregated public education system. Admission of the Negro students is scheduled for June 10th, and there are fears there may be trouble. Correspondent Rather asked students their reaction. What's the general feeling around the campus uh, concerning the agreement to admit the Negro here this summer? Well, all the students I've talked to and my friends feel that there's not going to be any repeat of the Mississippi situation and there's not going to be no violence or anything like that. I think it's just going to be generally accepted. 
among the students. And uh, we all feel that Governor Wallace is going to make a big mistake if he uh, tries any forceful uh, tactics or anything like that. Have you heard any reaction to Governor Wallace's uh, repeated statement that he will stand in the schoolhouse door? Well, they'll walk over. I think that's the general reaction. They'll just walk over. Heck, he's not going to stop anybody. Well, I feel like it won't be as much trouble as, you know, have been on other campuses, but it will be bad news when the nigger comes there. Have you heard much talk about Governor Wallace's repeated statement that he will stand in the door if necessary to prevent it? I'd hate to see him try it, but I'd be proud of him. Obligation to protect the traditions and sovereignty of this state is my obligation and will be fulfilled by me. As governor, I am the highest constitutional officer of the state of Alabama. I embody the sovereignty of this state, and I will be present to bar the entrance of any Negro who attempts to enroll at the University of Alabama. This is legal resistance and legal defiance. President Kennedy's reaction to Governor Wallace's defiance was made known at his news conference the next day. It was the subject of the first question. Smith? President, how do you regard the Alabama governor's announced intention to block the integration of the University of Alabama? For instance, do you, uh, or does the government plan to use federal marshals as it did in Oxford, Mississippi, if the governor does go through with his in, in, announced intention to prevent these Negro students from entering? I am uh, obligated to uh, carry out the court order. That uh, is part of our constitutional system. There is no uh, choice in the matter. It must be carried out. And laws which we do not like must be carried out, uh, and laws which we like. This is not a matter of choice. If it were a matter of choice, it would not be law. So that uh, these uh, decisions uh, must be enforced. Everyone understands that. Now, I cannot believe that the governor wants us to send uh, federal troops there. I cannot believe he wants us to send federal marshals there. I cannot believe that he would not prefer to have the people of Alabama govern this matter and accept the order of the court and maintain law and order. Legal steps to prevent the governor from interfering with university desegregation were initiated in Birmingham today. The Justice Department asked for an injunction to restrain Governor Wallace, and a hearing has been scheduled for June 3rd, one week before the scheduled desegregation. An assessment of the events of this week of decision in a moment after this message. Whenever there's a golf championship at stake, you know Arnold Palmer will be in there all the way. Here's a man who really likes to smoke. And what he likes is L&M. He's been smoking them for years. He knows when a cigarette means a lot, you get lots more from L&M. It's the rich flavor leaf that does it. You get more body in the blend, more flavor in the smoke, more taste through the filter. And with L&M's modern filter, the Miracle Tip, only pure white touches your lips. L&M's the filter cigarette for people who really like to smoke. So take a tip from Arnold Palmer. Get more body, more flavor, more taste. Get lots more from L&M. Lots more.
Dr. Martin Luther King, the Atlanta Negro leader, has been directing the integration drive in Birmingham. Correspondent Rather asked him about the effect of Birmingham on the Negro campaign. Reverend King, what about the manifestations in other cities other than Birmingham that suddenly have sprung up? Do you feel that these are keyed to Birmingham? Yes, I, I think that many of the activities that have taken place in nonviolent direct action across the South over the last few weeks and months uh, came into being to a great extent because of the inspiration of Birmingham. Uh, I think Birmingham has inspired Negroes all over the South and over the nation, and I think it has caused them to feel that there is power in this approach, and it has caused them to feel a new sense of destiny and a new sense of dignity. Well, what's ahead in the weeks and months over the, the summer? Is it likely we'll have more of these manifestations of demonstrations in more cities, or is there likely to be something of a subsiding now? I have the feeling that we will have more of these uh, demonstration, demonstrations and mass movements. Uh, I think on the heels of the Supreme Court's decision uh, outlawing segregation at uh, lunch counters and outlawing the city ordinances that uh, make segregation possible, we will see developments that uh, will take place in many communities. I think Negroes will take advantage of these new rights, and I think we will see more mass uh, jail-ins if necessary in order to gain these rights. In that quiet warning of more trouble ahead, Martin Luther King stressed the influence of the Supreme Court's sit-in decision. It may prove to be the most important civil rights document since the school desegregation decision in 1954. For what Dr. King and the Negro leaders of his persuasion are doing is to mount a massive assault upon the conscience of white Americans. And since the law is the embodiment of the conscience of our society, each legal advance becomes the jumping-off place for a new campaign. It is in their belief that through white conscience, the ramparts of segregation are most vulnerable, that the Martin Luther Kings differ from the black nationalists. The black nationalists do not believe that the white man has a conscience. And if the assault upon conscience fails, they stand ready to take up the struggle by more extreme means. These principles and that conscience were tested this week as they were tested the week before and will be for many weeks to come. This is Charles Collingwood. Good night. Eyewitness Week of Decision has been brought to you by L&M. For flavor and taste, it's L&M, the filter cigarette for people who really like to smoke. L&M in pack or box. of big events. Keep an eye on Eyewitness. This broadcast pre-recorded is produced by CBS News, which has sole responsibility for the news judgments, the content and editing. This is Harry Kramer speaking.
Welcome back, and uh, that was uh, news reports from uh, 1963, uh, some 60 years ago, uh, during uh, the one of the high points of the African American struggle uh, for equality and self determination. Um, that uh, report dealt with the situation in Birmingham, Alabama, in Greensboro, North Carolina, in Durham, North Carolina and other cities uh, during uh, the spring of uh, 1963. And uh, coming up, of course, uh, in uh, only eight days' time is the 94th uh, anniversary of the birth of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Uh, It is marked as a federal holiday on January the 16th, 2023. Here in the state of Detroit, the Detroit uh, MLK Committee will be hosting uh, its 20th uh, annual Dr. Martin Luther King Day rally in March. And, of course, anyone in the Detroit area or southern Ontario or northern uh, Ohio uh, should definitely consider coming. It is a event uh, that is marked uh, by the struggle, the continuation of the struggle for civil rights and self-determination, political empowerment, and social justice uh, throughout the uh, the African-American and the broader community in the United States and indeed the world. The uh, event will be held at the St. Matthew's St. Joseph's Episcopal Church on Monday, January 16th, beginning at noon, which is the federally recognized holiday in honor of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. The uh, St. Matthew's St. Joseph's Episcopal Church is located at 8850 Woodward Avenue. That's 8850 Woodward Avenue between Holbrook and King. And uh, we'll take a break. We'll be back with our concluding segment of the Pan-African Journal.
Dimasia Ri Avishay Sanbonani Molweni Lochani Huye Meda Good afternoon, comrades and friends. Comrade Goede Mandashe, the National Chairperson of the African National Congress, Comrade Paul Mashatile, the Deputy President of the African National Congress, Comrade Fikile Mbalula, the Secretary General of the African National Congress, Comrade Nomvula Mukonyani, the first Deputy Secretary of the ANC, Comrade Marupini Ramukhupa, the second Secretary General of the ANC, Comrade Dr. Gwen Ramukhupa, the Treasurer General of the ANC, members of the National Executive Committee, newly elected who are sitting here just behind me, Araba Shapelema Soholebona. The leaders of our organization here in the Free State, as led by the convener, Comrade Zukwana. Dukwana, not Zukwana, Dukwana. <laughs> The President of COSATU, Comrade Zingi Swalosi, the General Secretary of the SACP, Comrade Solima Paila, the leadership of the Women's League, the leadership of the Veterans League, and the leadership of the Youth League and representatives of Umkontewesizwe, Liberation War Veterans, and the leadership of the various other organizations, fraternal organizations who have come from far and afield, from a number of countries in Southern Africa, some as far as Palestine who are here with us today. <laughs> Members of the diplomatic corps, leaders of religious organizations, our traditional leaders, also as represented here by Contralesa, comrades and friends and the people of South Africa. We gather here today in Mangaung, the birthplace of the African National Congress, 
inspired by the forebears and the founders of our movement, to present to you the statement of the National Executive Committee, a statement which you can read in its extensive form online and on our website, but I will be pre presenting a summarized version thereof. 111 years after the formation of the African National Congress, the spirit of resistance against apartheid, colonialism, and the courageous struggle for liberation and democracy remains present and powerful. This spirit calls upon us to recognize the injustices of the past. It also calls upon us to honor those who suffered and sacrificed for freedom in our land. This is the spirit that led the gallant leaders of our movement like Reverend Mahabani, Dr. Muroka, and Dade Thomas Mpikela to sacrifice all to contribute to our struggle. A few days ago, Rile Raipanako Rachakela Malapa Liribakateu Baeta Pelebaru Naba Patiluente Ntuena Sesilin Tweri Twaeting Yahuri Hariswara Celebration Yena Ya January 8. Ritamae Bontungeneri Vitang Pilgrimage Riloete la Malapa Abaita Pelebaruna Lebao Banevalidi Hosi Banevalite Inha ANC Teiwa Honamuna Mangau Rikadile Gauya Seiso Vili Mani Kronstadt Ritama Rilidi Official Sitamukhatuona Waluna Railwete La Lelapa Landa Tima Habani Oilen Aba President Ya ANC Hotoaka nineteen twenty four Hufisela Ka nineteen twenty seven Apeta Afumana Kato Labube di Temi Abube di Ya Bamweta Pelewa ANC ka 1936 Ufita 1940 Rile Raya La Haira Kopana Lebale Lapa Raja Mono Raya Moa Patilwenteng Kanete Raisa Trompo Yaro Rare Harikaeta Riberia Tabanchu Raya Mohu Patilueng, Dr. J.S. Muroka, Raisa Trompo Huyena, Rabara Bora Lilila Palahai, Harketa Rata, Lilaping Lanta J. Thomas, Mpikela, Rabona Ntuyahai and I, Hahile Kabuyena, Raipana Koradula, 
lebalela palahai nthwena ile ya reformo ya ya pete ya reformata letsibo ya uri mogatlo wona ri ka utisa joanna ha re sheba ba eta pelebane ba khale ka tsela ene ba kopantse ANC ka yona nthweno he ile ya amohelwa ke batho ba bangata ba dulang ha u filibo ona mo bane ba dulateng ba amohela mosebetsi ona o motle wa wetela melela malapa abaeta pele ba khale this is the spirit that we also want young people to have to resist racism today i have as my special guest here and i'll ask them to come to the stage the nakedi boys who were subjected to cruel acts of racism and humiliation by old white men at a resort called Marcel Sport here in Mangaung ba kae ba shimani bana ke ba tlore ba tle ka pele se chaba se ba bone hore ba ne ba hlasetswe ke banna ba holo ba makgowa ba le ka o ba otla ke bona ba shimani bana re ba leboa hore ba ntse ba re phelela e tshile ke le ka bona o mongwa bona ke nya face nyana a otla o mo you must be strong as young men the message i want to give to you is that the spirit of our forebears who fought against the apartheid system must fill you with courage it does all of us but we also want to send a clear and straight message to those in our country who still want to perpetuate racism and we say South Africa today we do not want racism here in South Africa haiba If you want to practice your racist tendencies South Africa is not the place to come and practice them South Africa belong to all of us and if you practice racism we will make sure that you feel the might of the law because the people of South Africa will never ever ever allow racism to raid in our country again as Nelson Mandela the father of our democracy said we honor these young men we thank them and we also thank their parents for having stood firm to make sure that they resist the racist acts and practices that were being perpetrated against them it was such a shameful act to see old white men trying to throttle these young men and to drown them in a pool under water the most shameful act to perpetrate against young boys like these and that is why they are my guests 
kialelebwa bashima aneli dule litile leska tsaba makhoa aona ntjo e tshanetse gore lietse le tsabe makhoa abasena nako abasena mata ntjo ya bona ya apartheid fedile letie bashima This spirit demands of all of us to fundamentally transform the living conditions of all citizens and free the potential of each and every person in our country. This spirit of struggle was clearly evident at our 55th National Conference where delegates from all over the country set out a program of action to build a better future kiema mona ke lebwa bongata ba lona ba ne ba rumetse di delegate bongata ba lona you come from our branches ngithanda ukuthi mbonga kakhulu ukuthi niyena thumela ama delegate aye akwazi ukuthi amele intando zeni bayafike conference ni bakhulume babeke izinto ebathume ngazo futhi bakhethe neinkokheli ezilapha phakathi kwethu siyanibonga njengamalungu ka ANC ukuthi niyena thumela abantu ababeyonolwazi ababazi ukuthi bayenze umsebenzi onjani bathu bane le barumile kanneti bane bayifonsa gore bayikemisedise gore baliyemele abayetsa buhlaswa bane basatsa mai hohle hohle bayadipating o kapo banwajwala bane bale bathu bane bayikemisedise o ba conferencing reale leboha Lelini branches ANC hamikenza sinene gore merumele banu bakahle ka conference ya ANC banu labanga mimela kahle ka leswi hinkwaso hingasuyenda a conference we are at a moment of fundamental consequence in the life of our country the people of south africa are going through tough times our people are going through difficult times at this point in time many people are unemployed and many of them have lost hope of finding employment or even setting up viable businesses young people are most affected More than a third of young people aged between 15 and 24 years are not in employment they are not in education and they are not in training the electricity crisis in our country continues to undermine economic growth and investment load shedding damages businesses disrupts households and compromises the provision of social services load shedding also has a negative impact on important processes in our country such as food production
lawlessness, criminality, kidnapping, illegal mining, construction sites, extortion, cable theft, and violence mean that many people, and especially women, continue to live in fear in our country. Due to the rising cost of living, many households are finding it difficult to meet their most basic needs such as food, transport and energy. Many municipalities are failing to perform their basic functions such as delivery of clean water, regular waste collection and maintenance. Maloba nekilebu tabelo Mone kibuwale batubaye so Baileba njueta hore maspala wabo na wamona mangaung Kanete Aoba sebelezi kastela ene pahese Baileba njueta hore maspala wono Honale huri untefa tema pelo abona oba kutise tamurao. Nchotenga ata seta meile ngurdi sama ekasi laene pahesing. Kan neti adiesiwe. Di kansela rataru unadi ikete tatato tatona. Ena asimbo botabelo kapumuma nga unfela. Lidi bake nsedin sengata mwona South Africa Rifumana urubo maspala baruna Kaneti ba asulea weta misebezi Eba tamele ngurbayese Kwa tamea hea hurhuvele seo Serita siyeta angulukisa bo maspala baruna Many communities are severely affected by climate change in the form of extreme weather conditions such as drought, fire and floods, floods that destroy their homes, their schools, their roads, bridges and cause havoc for their businesses. Riboni kasili mosefitile hore pula esense hakanakana Kakulu e KZN Nase Eastern Cape Nase Northwest Satolubuti ngembela imvula Imoshe kakulu Ipilize izindu zabantu Ama proko nezindel As I said earlier Racism is also rearing its ugly head and this is a challenge that we have to address on an ongoing basis. We must be clear about the tasks that we have to undertake to address these challenges. Because these challenges threaten to erode the hard-earned gains of our democracy. And accordingly, the 55th Conference of the ANC has firmly resolved that urgent and decisive action must be taken to place our country back on a developmental path
that puts the interests of our people ahead of individuals' interests, ahead of any other person's interests. The conference also resolved that to adequately respond to the difficulties that are facing our people today, as the ANC we must deal decisively and fearlessly and urgently with our own weaknesses. In this regard, the ANC National Executive Committee has decided on the following immediate priority actions for 2023. Firstly, we will undertake specific initiatives and programs to deepen the renewal of the African National Congress. Secondly, we will accelerate the work that is underway to end load shedding. Thirdly, we will mobilize social partners to increase employment and investment and deepen empowerment and transformation. Fourthly, we will improve the delivery of basic services and maintenance of infrastructure. And fifthly, we will strengthen the fight against crime and corruption. These are the tasks that we must undertake. And finally, we will take action to build a better Africa and a better world. On our first priority, the renewal of the ANC will only be able to advance in its historic mission to free South Africans from all forms of oppression and build a better life when it confronts its own weaknesses. The 55th conference adopted a roadmap to 2032 to guide the transformation of the ANC into a responsive, modern, well-governed, well-resourced, ethical, caring and effective political formation. Comrades and friends, we are now at a point where we are looking at what the ANC will be in the next 10 years. We've developed a roadmap to look into the next 10 years to reposition the ANC between now and then and begin to envisage the ANC of the future. But that future begins today. And that is why we have come up with a roadmap that will take us to 2032. This requires that we take steps to ensure that the ANC is indeed deservedly recognized as the leader of society, that it occupies a moral high ground, and that it unites all South Africans around a common program to fight poverty and inequality. Ntuena Ibuahor, 
ANC yena mokhato o theuweng ke ba etapele ba rona ka 1912 ase mokhato wa rona fela re le ditotsa ANC ke mokhato wa sechaba sohle samona South Africa ba bamba rata ka ba barate ANC ke mokhato wa sechaba Hunale bao ba sa rating tswe no Hunale bao ba sa amoheleng empa neti ya sala ANC ke mokhatlo wa sechaba and then tswe no ba tai bona hantle ka 2024 hawi wa di khetong ha sechaba sena se tla bontsa botse it belongs to the people of South Africa. We do not pursue the path of renewal for its own sake, but we do so so that we can drive our energies to solving the pressing problems facing the people of South Africa. Dualerim renewal process yena it is irreversible it is irrevocable aresa khutlela morao bao ba batlang gore khutisetsa morao re re aba emele ka thuko rona re tswella pele le renewal yena conference yena e re tswang even the hunter for renewal and the unity of the ANC is now unstoppable. It is going forward whether those who want to deter it or not want to do so. We are moving ahead. Aresa Sheba Murao, Resheba Pili, Impari. Are tsama eng ka ofela are tsama eng ka ofela re tswelle pele re the ANC is renewed and it is united welcome back and uh, that was uh, excerpts uh, from the president of the Republic of South Africa speech uh, at the African National Congress 111th uh, anniversary commemoration that was held in Mangwan, the Free State uh, Republic of South Africa. And uh, that's going to conclude our program uh, for today. If you'd like to have access uh, to this program, all you need to do is go uh, to the Pan-African Radio Network. That's at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. The programs can be shared with other potential listeners uh, by merely copying and pasting the links into emails, sending those emails out to other potential listeners. Uh, The links can be shared through copying and pasting on other blogs and websites, as well as sharing the links through social media networks such as Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to read the Pan-African Newswire so you can stay abreast of some of the most pressing and burning issues of the day, just go to our website at panafricannews.blogspot.com. 
We're going to close out uh, with the music of jazz trumpeter Kenny Durham uh, from the album entitled Jazz Contrast. This is Abayomi Azikawe signing off and have a beautiful week.